Hey, good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. And today I have special co-host, Tom Dean from Consulting Ventures. Tom has decades of experience in the capital goods manufacturing industry at the Fortune 100 company-sized scale and years of experience in marketing, sales, interfacing with independent dealers, distributors of all sizes and a you know, small and medium scale as well. His current focus is strategy and risk management consulting. He's a lifelong learner and has an interest in technology. One of the things that I appreciate about Tom the most is that he really takes very, very seriously this aspect of becoming an informed risk decision maker. And he genuinely, truly understands the process that the only risk management strategy that's going to be effective for anyone is the one that they can execute. So today... We wanted to have conversation about physical threats to mobile phones, some SIM hijacking, out-of-band SMS attacks, and YubiKeys, and we'll see where we go from there. (laughs) So welcome, Tom. Thank you. Sounds good. Yeah, that's a wide variety of subjects, but it seems like the risk landscape has really been changing in the last, you know, few months and really a few years. Well, I remember you brought up this just really fascinating topic to me that you had done an extensive amount of research into that you became um, very keenly aware of the risk of mobile devices. And so why don't you give us some background on your and kind of your thought processes, what you had encountered and the way that you were thinking about it? Sure thing. Well, my career was in the capital goods, as you mentioned, in the industrial space. But I've noticed as business travel has taken off, you know, especially here in the last 12 to 24 months, and as well as personal travel. And of course, all the work from home that we've all discussed the last couple of years. So you're starting to see, you know, you saw that evolution going into laptops. And then from there, obviously, mobile devices, phones and tablets. And we're seeing kind of the hybrid threats come along where you see the physical threat combined with digital. So it used to be, well, you lost the laptop. You know, do you have BitLocker installed on the laptop? So it was as simple as that. Now with the phones, not only do you have the risk of data loss there on the business and personal side, but you also, that is your MF, your second factor mechanism, you know, whether it's over cellular or maybe it's over some app like a Google Authenticator or an Authy. So now that's wrapped up in your MFA. So whether it's a lost device, a stolen device, now you've got not only the complication of your, your master key to your business or life in there, but you also are dealing with how am I going to authenticate for all the various um, applications and websites that I need to recover from all this. And do I, and I've seen this not only um, in small and mid-sized businesses, but even larger businesses as well. You have to have a strategy to recover and, you know, and be resilient in some of these scenarios, whether it's a lost or stolen device. And there's a lot of nuances um, to this, depending on whether um, the password was revealed, did, did the person, you know, hopefully almost everyone at least on business devices, has a passcode. But in some cases, um, in in recent publicized events around Chicago, Minneapolis, uh, Texas, and 
this has been going on in South America for years. I was I was in South America earlier this year and just talking to friends and relatives, you know, as they start traveling again. So some friends and relatives recently were in Europe this summer. And so they're trying to figure out how am I going to, you know, do MFA, do second factor, log into anything if my phone would happen to be lost or stolen while I'm over there. So you can see as things have gone more digital and it seems like there's more physical threats popping up as well as these as these phones have gotten more um, expensive so they're more valuable and also there's everything on the phone from banking to personal things all your contacts and on and people feel comfortable with biometrics but in reality especially on the the apple side of the world the, the biometrics are just a proxy for that numeric passcode so you know, if you're using your, you know, your birth year, your birth day and month, you know, it's so easy to get past that. So there's a lot of issues here, but it all comes down to the risk management and um, especially with MFA. Well, I think some of the things that you've articulated here is a a thought process around how can you potentially like <laughs> decouple the, like, how do you decouple the impact on your life? from the compromise of the mobile device or the loss of the mobile device. And I think that those are two very different issues, right? Like if the mobile device is lost, I'm inconvenienced, but I'm not freaking out. You know, I've got, I've got, you know, this authenticator is backed up over here and this authenticator is backed up over there. And that authenticator is backed up over there, right? Like, you could recover those things in the realm, though, of a compromise, uh, especially a physical access compromise, like a physical theft issue of the mobile device. Now you've got a five alarm fire problem. So why don't you talk about Correct. that a bit? Sure. And I agree. And back to the to the loss, if you lost your device um, or if there's a lost business device. So that is a non-alarming situation, like you said, as long as there's really, I think, two key settings, there's probably more, but the really two most important ones there are in the iOS world or the Apple world, and I'm sure there's something very similar in Android phones, is erase after 10 incorrect passcode attempts. So if you don't have that turned on, it, it's pretty easy to brute force into the phone. Um, so that's critical, even with a lost. The second thing is to have your note, your your screen lock notifications turned off, because if you if you have your notifications popping up on your lock screen, and that person knows who you are by for some reason, they can easily you know get on a computer or a laptop and start um, forgot password, and then they're picking up your MFA codes on the lock screen. So those are really the two, um, the two settings. If and then if you have those set, you know your lost device is not the end of the world. As as you get into the five five alarm fire scenario, like you said, where they've either tricked you into, or they sometimes they're even videoing um, people entering their pins. Normally, you don't enter your pin, right? You're doing a touch ID or face ID. So that's not going to really help them. 
So they really need to figure out what your four digit, hopefully it's a six or eight digit uh, pin. And so to do that, there's um, various ways that have come up in news reports where um, either they are filming, videoing, or um, tricking, like turning off your phone when you're not looking so that if you let it out of your sight, so then when you pick it up, you have you have to enter in your your code because it's been powered down. So there's and there's also just of course the old mugging scenario where they're demanding the, the phone pin and that's happening in some of your larger metro areas. So yeah, that's the five alarm fire because now, you know, the old castle analogy, they have come in through the gates. And now what do you have going for you at that point? Do you have an inner sanctum where a second wall is? And that's where you get back to the classic segmentation, you know, in the IT world of what do you have segmented and what is, because if you just go with all the native apps, whether it's Apple or Google, there's really no second layer there. So you're really, they have everything and, and they can change your biometrics instantaneously your face ID is gone. Even your Apple password, they, they can easily change, log into it from a, a laptop. So right. that uh, passcode, there was yeah, a Wall Street Journal article that brought this up and it cre created quite a stir when people realized how, how powerful this just four-digit passcode is on an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, I want to I wanna like hover on that little topic for a moment of that you know, biometric authentication is uh, certainly uh, helpful and convenient in so many ways. However, if a person ends up with physical access to your device to the degree that they know your PIN and they have it, they can then substitute their biometric for your biometric and or they can just simply add theirs as an acceptable biometric and for whatever other apps you had established a unlock with biometric like you know your banking apps or you know authenticator applications which is very common then those things are at risk so i i think you know i might be inclined to literally just break my phone before I would ever allow somebody else access to it because I'd rather deal with the issue of I don't have a phone for, you know, some days than have a situation where the phone has been, you know, physically compromised that way. That is absolutely correct about the way you described it with biometrics. They're great. They're convenient, highly recommended. But if, if some, for some reason someone gets the passcode, all bets are off with the biometrics. That's really a convenience feature primarily. Um, so yeah, and really when it comes down to it, when you're traveling, you know, maybe you could have a second phone somehow, especially for international travel. Um, the other thing is to obviously try to avoid banking apps if you can possibly stand a little without that, ideally, because the first thing they're going after are, are Cash App and Venmo and Apple Pay. You know, those things, they can do that within seconds of getting access. Um, and then, so ideally, you're going to do some segmentation. So email is so powerful. So, you know, maybe you don't want to use the Apple Mail app. 
maybe you don't want to use the Gmail app on the Android phone, there are other email providers. You can have a separate pin or a sec that's not biometric based. It's a second number that you're remembering, say. So you've got that's the second wall in the castle. And, and that would apply to other apps as well, not just um, you know, not just email, but the email is so important because they can see all the accounts you have in the email inbox. They can also change, usually email is a fallback MFA, so they can change all of your accounts that way. So that's really why um, this choosing what apps you're going to use on the phone is, is as important as, you know, which, whether you go iOS or Android. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a horse apiece in terms of, you know, you know, you, you and I had this conversation before where we agreed that iPhone wasn't better than Android and Android wasn't better than iPhone. It's all about what is the, uh, the risk that an, a, an individual can manage. Because if you take somebody who's extremely adept at an iPhone and tell them that, oh no, Android is better. And that that use of an Android is going to make them less adept at risk management. Well, that hasn't solved anything. That's just created new problems. And so I don't think that there's any answer here associated with one is better than the other. There are things we can say that are um, very smart moves such as like using out-of-band SMS for MFA, uh, which, which has its own interesting nuanced challenges too. There are um, some uh, application methods for out-of-band SMS that are really only practicable for uh, a consumer approach and then others that would be more practicable for uh, a more business approach. You know, so it, that's why there there is no one right answer to this stuff. I mean, the one thing I would say that I think we could absolutely vehemently say is everyone should be using a very sophisticated password manager and they should have the password to get into that thing completely memorized. I mean, it should be like in their brain and only in their brain. And if they can stand it, as a setting on their mobile device that they should have to put that password in every single time that they use it. I mean, if you can, if you can avoid using biometric authentication to unlock your, your password manager application, and the only way to get into your password manager application is only with the password in your brain. I think that's that kind of wall you were talking about. Absolutely. With the password manager on the phone, <laughs> Not only it's, it would be a disaster if that's based on your biometric because it would be so simple to get in at that point. So they do offer features like um, where you have to use um, a different pin. You know, there's a secondary pin as we discussed earlier. That would be critical. You can even use a YubiKey challenge response if you really want to go extreme. And that can be required to open it as well. And that's with several of the several of the password managers out there and then also the password manager is going to help you recover as well because you know you've got obviously you'll have other copies of it whether it's in the cloud or backed up on on premises somewhere 
So that's going to be your method for recovering because you've got a list of all your accounts. And now that, you know, now that you're at risk, you can try to go in and, and do damage control. So that definitely helps there. So I, I don't like, know that I would say that a YubiKey is um, is extreme. I, I actually think in many ways, a YubiKey is a whole heck of a lot easier to use. I mean, if you have a phone that has NFC on it, yes, it, it's way easier. Just, Correct. you know, hold that YubiKey up to the back of the phone and, you know, easy. NFC scan it. Um, the, but, but then the YubiKey becomes something that a person needs to also have kind of out of band. I would never keep it on a keychain, right? I mean, if you get, if you get carjacked and somebody's taken your car with your car keys and your house keys. This is a very common scenario in some of these metro areas. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no way would you want your YubiKey on that. In fact, I would argue that your YubiKey needs to be in a place that's um, pretty obscure to the point where it's not going to be obvious to uh, an attacker that you even have a YubiKey, right? And and I'm right. not going to I'm not going to publicly disclose where I keep mine. <laughs> you know? Right. No, that's a, a good point. Right. So the password manager is critical, and and frankly. Um, these phones, the amount of settings on the phones, it's, if you're a small business and or medium, hopefully you can pick one person in your organization to focus on this because it is more complex than you would think. If you start digging around in your phone settings, the, the amount of nooks and crannies in there, it's a real labyrinth. And, and there's some great products out there with, you know, referred to as MDM, mobile device management. And even if you're a small business, um, on the Apple side of the fence, you can use Apple Configurator and do it all on-prem from a from a Mac. If if you start getting you know upwards of five plus people in your organization, it starts to get very difficult to to track down the people and say, hey, I need to change some settings on your phone. I need to plug it into the Mac here and get this updated. So now you start looking at you know, Jamp, uh, which is a U.S.-based company. I'm not affiliated with them. There's there's others as well. I think they seem to be the largest, as far as I can tell. I did I did test them out. If you're going to go that route, you have to get yourself an Apple Business account. Otherwise, the user can remove the the configuration. So, but those products are very helpful because once you have a, a secure configuration set, you know now you can put it out to all the devices. Yeah, I've used Jamf before and I I think it definitely is the uh, Cadillac product, especially on the Apple side. And you know, you mentioned that you had uh, figured out that they had a a very very inexpensive kind of low usage plan. So why don't you talk a bit about that a bit? Sure. I was I was digging around at these different MDMs, and I noticed that there was something called Jamf Now, and it was being promoted as being for small businesses. So I tried it out, and I ran it for a couple of months, and you can even put one device on it. And the first, I believe it's the first two or three are free, and then when you start getting the fourth, the third or fourth and higher, um, it's several dollars a month, not a, a huge amount. So you're able to create, you know, configurations and just over the air you know, push it out to your devices. 
all the devices need to be in supervised mode, um, which means if you know, hopefully you're purchasing it that way. If you're not, there is a way you can um, get it rolled into the supervised mode, but you do have to kind of go through a little exercise to back it up to the cloud, wipe the device, and then bring everything from the cloud back down. Now now it's supervised. So it was. I found it to be a pretty user-friendly product to use. And like you said, it seems to be the Cadillac So and, and very simple to understand. So. Yeah, I've used another product called uh, Scale Fusion before, and uh, it's okay. It's quite um, in the MDM space. I, I should say in the Apple device MDM space, there is a practical floor, and Jamf for like its full capabilities really becomes financially practical at, at around like a hundred devices. It's kind of cost prohibitive on the business side when you've only got, you know, 20 devices for something like that. I would use scale fusion. Um, but now on the Android side, it's you, you know, Jamf can be used for Android as well. I think I'm not an expert on Jamf, but I don't uh, recall, but I use, uh, I use WatchGuard ZPDR on Android devices and it's, it's not a full MDM. Uh, it has some security features, though, on it, like you can set a minimum pin, and it's got some pretty cool little features on it, like, and I've messed around with this quite a bit, where if you put in your pin uh, too many times wrong, it will literally start activating the camera and take photos of what is happening there in front of the device, and then it will send those alerts out and so it's that that kind of thing that you articulated, which is what becomes your almost your incident response plan for a mobile device loss in unauthorized hands. I, I, I think there's a difference between mobile device went in the toilet and it's now dead. <laughs> okay, I'm not going right. to worry about that one too much. Exactly. The expense but, would be the main thing there. Right. But mobile device in unauthorized hands, okay, it's time to completely freak out. So it turns out to be then what is then your incident response plan for that? And I like the idea of being able to have not only alerting, in near real time, you get these alerts that indicate to you uh, that this, this thing has been happening, right? And that you know somebody's been putting in bad pins into your phone. Uh, and then you get you know snapshots of it, but also you can do a hard device kill remotely. So I think no matter what, if somebody doesn't have a mechanism for a for alerting that something hinky you know has been going on with their phone, they need to get that, and they also need to get that remote device kill functionality. Um, and and that functionality needs to be separate and out of band from, you know, the one ring that rules them all. I mean, you had talked to me about a, uh, a risk that you had investigated uh, rather deeply, I might add. You really, really deeply investigated this risk associated with if people put all of their Apple, their Apple um, things in one basket, 
been and and are relying upon exclusively Apple protection and Apple passwords, and they don't have anything else kind of out of band from that to be able to security alert on that device and then kill it if necessary, then they're leaving themselves quite vulnerable. So don't you elucidate on that? Yes, absolutely. There was a Wall Street Journal article that got a lot of attention about six months ago last spring that um, really pointed that out. And it cut, and and they suggested that screen time could be used as a, a mitigating factor, you know, which screen time was designed to limit, you know, younger people's time on, on the, the devices. And, but there were ways you could, you know, lock out of certain aspects of the settings. Um, but there's, there's some weaknesses there. And really the only way to, to truly secure the, the device is to go with an MDM, um, like we discussed, like a, like a jam or, or so on like that. Having said that, um, you still need to worry about your MFA and account takeovers. So, so, you know, you've protected the phone, maybe you've protected the Apple ID, the Apple account with an MDM. Um, but now you've got to worry about MFA and how secure are you there? So you get into, are you receiving, and, and you almost have to make a matrix or have a strategy for MFA. You can't, you, you almost, because if you, if you are going to make a change in MFA, you need to know which accounts need to be changed. So that's back to your password manager, or maybe you've got a spreadsheet just for MFA that shows, you know, what's happening there. But obviously there's been some high profile incidents of SIM swapping. So, you know, whether you have a physical SIM on the phone or an eSIM, which is embedded in the phone. So there are certain folks that um, either targeted or not targeted have had, you know, you can pop out the old physical SIMs, put it in a different device, and maybe the person didn't even notice the SIM is gone in an instant. Um, oh, that's, so that's fascinating. Yeah. So that's so there is a way you can put a, a pin on your your physical SIM as well. Um, so eSIMs have some advantages. The newer eSIMs have some advantages that way. Then you've got your authenticator apps. Well, a lot of people use Google or Microsoft Authenticator. Of course, that app is sitting on your phone and it does not have a separate pin. Um, and so it is readily accessible and it might even have your user ID in there with it. So that's not really rec a great program. There's an app called Authy, which is another independent version of that. You can use that. You can either choose to sync it to the cloud or not. Um, it does have its own separate pin. And I'm sure there's other ones like that as well. And then finally, we, back to the UV key or the, the physical USB key is another it's probably the Cadillac. It's saved. Um, it's it's the ultimate, um, but unfortunately, not everyone accepts, you know, that form of MFA. So you really are going to have a diversification of what you're using and, and tracking it is key. And um, you just have to, and maybe you need to have a backup as well. So you can't just have one form of MFA. I mean, at the bare minimum, you've got a text over your cellular network. And with a code or your email that's usually the kind of the bare bones basic and then from there some of them allow you to do the app like an authy and then from there you've got really high end you've got the YubiKey. so that's really the from the whole spectrum so one thing that that's really clear to me here is that 
these strategies are, you know, you said it earlier, they're very nuanced. They're very contextual. Uh, the approach is going to be very uh, individual based if we're talking about like a work device or, you know, work accounts, then obviously that strategy needs to be dictated by the employer. Uh, people on an individual basis, though, I would imagine that a lot of this is going to be actually quite highly challenging for them to navigate. So I would advocate for a couple approaches. One approach is either they just, you know, get busy and get researching and figure it out and work through it and do their best to try and figure it out on their own and you know maybe get some occasionally help occasional help from an expert or the other alternative is to consult with an expert who has known them for a long period of time and who trusts them because in that realm I know certainly what I do with my clients is I know them and I'm just already able to know what is going to work for them, what their proclivities are, and I you know, know where they go and what they're up to and what their risks are and what also what, what I think they can manage well. And, and you can get to a really workable um, outcome uh, in that way. And unfortunately, I've, I've jammered too much here. <laughs> so we are, we're out of time. We're going to pick this up uh, in part two of this very inter innovative uh, podcast. Thanks.